You're listening to Red Nation Online. Sunday, October 30th. It's Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen. I'm Ian Clark. We're back from BMO Field. And was this the best game in TFC history? A 2-0 win over NYCFC. Playoff victory. Late goal drama and supporters setting it off. For certain, it was a night to remember. The Reds take a strong lead in the Eastern Conference semifinals and fought through a gritty opponent to outwork them for late goals from Josie Altidore and St. Ricketts. We look at this round of the playoffs. All the key players. Amazing support at BMO and ahead to the away leg in New York. All this and more on the next 50 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Mentioned wearing a puppy jacket, and uh, it was uh, with Buddy too. Yeah, and it was it was freezing out. Yeah, we were inside, and we thought it was okay, and then we went out, and, and we were like, "That's a big mistake." Yeah. But tonight, there's 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 a reason for this, Aaron, is because we want to carry over the experience of BMO <laughs> Field into the podcast. It felt warm inside, too. especially when you're sitting down and everyone else was around you standing up. Yeah, it's amazing science. <laughs> I learned about science today. And well, yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the war the warmth. Of a big home playoff win, I think it does a lot for you. And uh, I mean, got a little, a little bit of scotch to help us out just <laughs> as a backup. But um, we're back from BMO. Surprise win? I don't know. Like, I think I think overall, I think we probably would have said Toronto should have been favorites for this home game. But yeah. you never know. And New York has been a team that's sort of stuck it to us, especially at home. So there was there was a precedent set that this could have been a tough game for us. But a two 0 win. Yeah. I mean, really, what else could you ask for? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I thought that based on the pregame press, it seemed that Toronto might have been happy with a 0-0 draw. You know, it's the whole, you know, this is the, one of those funny things is we bring aggregate scores here and then people talk about cliches opposed to what they actually mean, right? And if you're, you know, if you don't allow an away goal, you're having an advantage going into the second tie. Um, so I would have been, you know, I was... I came to this game with a, with a positive attitude. I, I, you know, if we lost, that could have changed quickly. Uh, but if we came out with a 0-0 sort of boring draw, um, I think I would have been okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that game wasn't that. You know, that game was exciting throughout. I thought it was very technical in the first half and very interesting for people who are a big fan of the game kind of thing at any level. And the second half was just... More MLS, right? More, you know, mess-ups and screw-ups and, and less tactical, more, you know, fast-paced, uh, but incredibly exciting. And, and, you know, arguably, I think we deserve the goals. I think we deserve the win, and I think we deserve the goals. And so, um, yeah, I thought it was What do you think about done. the uh, argument or the sentiment, is what I'm thinking of, of the fact that Toronto had to play in and were, in a sense, sort of in sync and maybe had some momentum coming in this game, whereas New York had the week off and might not have been. Maybe it yeah, yeah. a bit cold. I think, I, think, I think that, you know, when you're dealing with the MLS, you're not really, um, you know, I don't think the standings reflect the quality of teams. So I think when you go into a game, you're looking at the quality of the team that you are looking at who has a rest or who has this and who has that. Um, you know, I think Toronto lucked out in a bit because they had some guys on yellow card issues, and if they got a yellow card tonight, then they would have missed the home game. And I think that's an advantage to that team that gets the, you know, the buy, I guess, because they don't, you know, oh, right, their guys went nuts today, and it doesn't really hurt them because they can go nuts next week unless they got a red or some sort, or the guy who hit Altador at the end of the game. Maybe he's not coming right, back. David Vilas, like uh, <laughs> almost doing a slooper or a kick on Cooper there. That was the replay on oh, that yeah. foul. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. he, he okay. looked like he oh, could maybe, 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 maybe MLS head office will have some uh, added, uh, you know, add-ons to add after the game. Yep. Um, 
but no, I thought, you know, it was funny because the Philadelphia game, I almost predicted it, you know, as is. And, you and did predict it as is. And, <laughs> but don't, don't, you don't have to be humble. With, okay. It's just the two of us. Okay. I mean, people will be listening, but I mean, and, I know I know what you tweeted out there, and it was almost pretty essentially spot on. Yeah, yeah. And and with this game, I would have, uh, you know, would I have I said 2 nothing? Um, I wouldn't have been surprised by 2 nothing. I did think, you know, the, the where this came about, was when the season ended and you know some of the main uh, soccer media people in the city asking well is the season over now are we a success now you know does the playoff even matter and i don't think you can look into the playoffs with us potentially playing philadelphia and the new york dfc and not thinking we can make it to the eastern conference right you know at that point finals yeah the finals and and yeah the eastern conference finals at that point, you know, then it's a debate. Can we beat Red Bulls? Can we beat Montreal? Because Montreal won today, won nothing. You know, that's more up in the air, and that's, you you know, 50-50. Yeah. But, you know, till that point, we should have got there. And if you saw with the Jays and you saw with the Raptors, who both made it that far as well, you know, we weren't about to criticize them for losing the first round. We expected them to be successful, and, you know, that was a fair evaluation of the team. And then you can question, you know, is the Eastern Conference final enough or should we have gone one you know, step further? But so, I, you know, I'm not, you know, again, I'm happy. I'm happy because the experience of the game was good. But, you know, if I was not a Toronto FC fan or if I was even not at the game, I would be almost more satisfied. Like I'd think, OK, this is what I expected, you know, wait till we play the Red Bulls and then I can start, you know, really analyzing yeah. Toronto's shot. You know? And what was your thoughts um, coming into this game, mm-hmm. looking at Toronto and New York, and New York being a team that, I mean, my my impression from what I saw from them last year and then where they finished this year, I was surprised that they ended up doing as well as they did. But I wrote a, <laughs> I wrote an article, what was that called? Um, what was my, uh, look at the game, or, you know, I was writing those articles. Yeah, State the, of the Game. State of the Game. And, and I was saying the importance of a DP and basically, basically saying that uh, New York Reb- or New York uh, FC was the worst team in the league if it wasn't for the DPS. Now they've changed their team in terms of the players they brought in, and one of the things that's good for them is they have a few young players who we saw tonight who are actually exciting young players, yeah. and they're hopefully going to, for their their sake, you know, be part of that. The other thing that you know is less of a story because it was a big story at the beginning of the season is Vieira sticking with the team. And, and having a positive influence on the team. Now, it was funny because going into the game, I even said this to you, that, um, you know, statistically, even if you look statistically at it, um, New York has issues being pressed and they have issues with their defenders with the ball and all of this kind of stuff. Now, part of that is because they play at that goofy, they play at the Yankee Stadium, but it's a goofy pitch size, right? But part of that is that they're just not good at it. And then today, add to that, their number one goalie wasn't playing. And you could tell that every goalkeeper clearance, they almost had a um, training exercise. This is where they run to get the ball. And, you know, as any smart team, you could probably see that and start taking advantage of it. And I would, you know, I didn't look at the stats of this game, but I imagine that the possession numbers are very much in favor. Ever present for 94 minutes, but he was clutch. When we needed him, he was there and he dug in and made the play happen. Michael Bradley was Yeah, Bradley would, outstanding. Been, Bradley would have been my player of the game. Yeah, it was outstanding against Philadelphia, and we saw that carry over. And I think this game was another game where you couldn't really – you can't single out a player on TFC as necessarily the weak link, um, the player that no, didn't no, quite pull no. pull their weight. No. Um, there may have been moments where we – But that 5-3-2 formation, mm-hmm. because Toronto's weak link, you know, minus Bradley and Dravinko's put in that position, and it's been their weak link since the start of the season. We had talked in our previews of the whole season – is their midfield, right? You know, like you like Azario, you like what Cooper sometimes brings, but they're not 100% guaranteed you know you're gonna get this out of them every single game. And by having the five in the back, it means that you have more security, but those guys are less involved, right? And so it gives, it, it potentially gives players like Javinko and players like um, Bradley more space in the midfield so they can concentrate on their own thing, right? And so, and also gives the option of Moro and Berdashar going off the wings to spread out, right? Which has always been, you know, I think it's been the issue with TFC since 2007 is our wing play has always been questionable, right? And I don't necessarily think Moro and Berdashar are the best wingers in the league, but the threat of having them wide should give Javinko and Bradley more space in the center. 
and even Cooper, right, who has that ability to dribble the ball and move around and all that kind of stuff. Yep. You mentioned the midfield. I think it's a good time to mention the um, TFC's three three points of the game. Oh, keys to the three keys to <laughs> okay. the match. I think they uh, won them all. They were actually <laughs> they're spot for on. once. They were fucking spot on. Uh, the first one was control the midfield. Yeah, which I okay. The second one was TFC press. Yeah, yeah. And then the third one, not conceding. There you go. Which is there the most obvious thing go. in the world. But however, go. this was maybe I think for you know we'll talk about a lot of players, a lot of uh, great things that happened in this game. But the clean sheet, I think you can't overstate how oh, critical yeah. that. Oh, even yeah, if, yeah. like we said, yeah. even if we came out with like there was a point of the game where I said, "Oh, this game might go nil nil," yeah. and I thought to myself, "Well, we've scored four goals uh, at." Yankee Stadium yeah, yeah. or in New York yeah. um, so it's not like uh, that's a fortress where we can't put balls in the net so if we walked out nil nil I would I would have felt pretty okay with that to be honest with you as long as we, yeah, ca- well, we just, kept the just clean to sheet. give you know just to give a, a mathematical sample of that um, New York's gonna have to open the game in New York um, we could lose 4-2 and still get by right and you wouldn't think you're gonna lose 4-2 and and advance <laughs> but right. you know that's the position we're in now right um, you don't want that necessarily to be the case because the end of that game is going to be, you know, crazy. But yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, um, yeah, you know, no, no, I think their, you know, I think their ability to advance right now, you know, it would be an, it would be a, um, you know, a complete blow up of, you know, Caster, you know, horrible if, if they didn't get through. I think their odds of going through are quite good. Um, and I think, you know, and I think there's a lot of momentum with the team right now. You know, what we talk about that sort of, you know, playing together and being strong when you're going to be strong. And the other teams are still, you know, even the Red Bulls today who lost in Montreal, they're still kind of unsure who their best 11 were, you know. And so they're playing to their ability that they're playing all season. But, you know, she fell short today. Yeah. So. And then, you know, New York, it's like, I, you know, I know Villa's been getting a lot of hype for MVP because of the goals and the assists, but if you ask me, I think Perlo's the MVP this season. The guy doesn't even play today, right? Now, we were joking that we think someone from our good friends in Italy put a call in and said, because <laughs> he's never played here, so <laughs> we're thinking there might be some sort of <laughs> story behind yeah, it. Yeah, backstory <laughs> on why Pirlo doesn't play in Toronto. But, uh, you know, I don't know what difference he would have had in the game today, right? Because certainly Lampard's Super Goals came on later on. He really didn't have any input, and Vila didn't really have much input either. Nope. So it's hard to say that Perlo is under the game would be completely different, but you would expect if you're a fan of New York City FC that Perlo would be a key guy in that lineup for you to think you're going to advance, right? Like that, if I was a New York City fan and watched the game tonight and saw the starting lineup, I'd be like, "What the hell?" Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's uh, not. It can't be. It's not much of a segue anymore. If you want to talk about, if you want to like roll into the game uh, proper and talk about that starting lineup because they've been sticking with the same one for weeks now and that's and like we said that's maybe credit to Fanny that it's been it's been a really strange season kind of trying to figure out what is this team who are the starting 11 and it's been part of it's become of injury part of it's become of because of young guys coming up and down and getting their shake on the team but interesting enough like in the last month or so this, I mean, I just think at the start of the season, I don't think we would have said, oh yeah, by October, end of October, playing a 3-5-2 with Haglin and Zavaleta as our center backs, and, you know, this guy named Armando Cooper's there, and Ricketts is going to be a key sub for, like a super sub for us, like I just, yeah. Yeah. but, and or like, Will Johnson wasn't going to be starting, etc., etc., and yeah. now we have this, you know, this formation where we have three of these guys, three at the back, who I'm still, you know, still not... In my gut, I'm not convinced with Zavaleta and Haglund back there, but they are continue to hang in there and, and get the job done. You know, I continue to not feel confident about Betashore as a fullback, but I'm starting to get more convinced of Moro, to be honest with you. Yeah, especially well, with a game the like wing, today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then I always like Osorio in the midfield, obviously, and then Bradley just playing that defensive midfielder role that I think is really. I'm just pleased. Like when I see that game that we've this game we've seen for the last little while, I'm like, this is yeah. This no, is, this you is know, great the the, the one I guess counter argument is is that you take out one of those back three and you put in um, Sheru or yeah. Johnson and you play more of a 
4-2-2, but with the two wingers, right? You have Cooper and Azario kind of as wingers, and then you have Eltador Dravinko up front, and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, it, it's, it's... I think we've had this conversation throughout the season, right? MLS is not a league where you have to dominate games, where you have to dictate how things go, where you have to control things, where you have to be the better team. You can get by, by being the smarter team, right? By getting opportunities and converting those opportunities, by sticking around, by... So, um, you know, I don't think, you know, it'll be interesting, it'll be interesting. Like, again, we, we, as I said, I thought we should get by Philadelphia. I thought we should have been in the playoffs. I thought we should get by Philadelphia, and I would have thought we should have got by New York City FC. So, to me, we still haven't really upset a team or beat a team that... that or over proven something. Yeah, proven, you know, that kind of thing. So, it'll be, you know, but it'll be interesting if we happen to, you know, knock on wood, if we happen to get by the Rebels and if we get by the final, you know, do we look back at the season and give, you know, Vanny and the management a lot of credit for seeing the lineup that was the most effective on the pitch? Maybe not the highest price, maybe not the, you know, fanciest and coolest, but, you know, the one that got them the wins done. when they needed it. Yeah, right? yeah. And I think um, if we look at this, from that point, we're looking at that first. I want to look at the first half and then go into the second half and we can start dissecting some of the yeah. action of the game. Um, I think the, think the thing you can summarize the first half and possibly this game for New York is they, I think they, we both thought, I think they came into this match with a clear agenda for the type of game they wanted to make it, which was going to be grimy. And we yeah, saw that yeah. yeah, New York City. And I think we saw that by, with Pirlo out, and Lopez in and that was clearly uh, a key player for them really just being grimy in the midfield and and eliminating Toronto's chances because the only really great great chance I would say in the first half was that breakaway that Jovinko had Um, a beautiful ball set through if I'm not mistaken by Altador Jovinko takes the ball to me I was I was a little bit befuddled I was like oh he took two touches on the ball which the second touch led him too close to the keeper yeah. and there was really no play at that point I thought he would have at least tried to get something off sooner um, stadium would have gone off at that point and after that you know we kind of settled into a first half where we didn't see quite as crazy opportunities as that and it really turned into this battle where you're seeing uh, well, the Lopez, inter- I think the seeing- interesting thing is is we've gone this far and not mentioned the referee. <laughs> that, uh, was, the that end- was my next okay, point. Okay, at the end of the day, I don't know if he had much of an impact on the game, ironically, right? Like, I was going to bring it up to be almost contradictory because, you know, I know <laughs> he was an easy target and he was a deserved easy target, but I don't know if he had much... You know, maybe the fight at the end and the aggression at the end he kind of caused, but I don't think he... You know, he, he cost us a few minutes in the first half that we didn't get yeah. back. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> it would have been $75 tickets after those. But. I think I, mean, I think the discussion around Petrescu will probably be, um, it, to me, like the, the Cooper card okay. was, to me, looked like, you know, I, you, I think you get frustrated when you see a ref simply putting out cards or call, making calls to even things out. Yeah. Or to catch up for something that he clearly messed up on, and then you say to yourself, "Well, he's lost control." Yeah. Like no, he's, no, he's not, I would say he lost his partiality. And here, here, here's the uh, Trump. Here's the Trump C fan leaving the room. <laughs> because I would say that Cooper caused a lot of his own problems yeah, yeah, yeah. with the ball and the and the hysterics without it. I thought the one that really upset the crowd was the foul on Javinko, which I don't think was really much of a foul, right? I think what Javinko was trying to make. What about the foul on Altador? The penalty or the one? The, yeah, it was, it was. It was the same sequence. I think there was two okay. c- two things we could have called, and it looked like okay. the New York defender had. But again, his arm Altador, covered. you know, he's a very frustrating player when you watch him because he's not that soft, right? And he does fall around. And I saw Lopez, you know, bump him, and the guy fell. <laughs> and Lopez is like five four, one hundred and twenty pounds, right? So, um, yeah, you know, I could say, you know, I could see that. Like the, you know, the funny thing is to Charles' advantage is I think Petrescu knew Altador and Bradley had those yellow cards. So I think he knew in the back of his head, I'm not going to give the second yellow card to these guys, and I'm going to make my issue the other guys who are not as important, right? You know, sure. Lampard got yellow at the towards the second half, but most of the guys got yellow cards. None of us would even know who, you know, yeah. you know I do, but most people would not even know who they are, right? right, right. And so, um, you know, it, it's... 
you know, I, I don't think Petrescu is, is an amazing referee. And I think one of the problems is when you fail as a referee, you start following um, protocol, right? So referee, you know, it's like, it's all these cliches, right? Like this is one of the biggest issues with soccer is cliches can take over the game and what you do in the game, right? And so the notion is, is if you give out your early yellow cards, you're showing your, you know, what is it, your, your control of the game and your power and you're, you're telling people I'm tough and you're, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But if people still do what they're doing to get the yellow card, you lose all of that, you know, strength and toughness and stuff like that. And I think with Petrescu, I think there's a lot, in his head that is going beyond the game itself, right? It's like, how am I going to be judged as a referee and what makes me a good referee opposed yeah. to just seeing the game as it is and calling it, yeah. you know, how you it's should. Like, I, want to, I don't want to be in the Canadian Premier League. I want to stay in MLS. <laughs> so I uh, do the best I can. Yeah. So, again, I just think, at the, you know, again, we saw at the end of the game there was almost a fight and stuff, and we don't know what the ramifications of that was. But I saw during the game, other than the stop and start, which, as you said, was by design by New York City, um, I didn't really feel that, um, you know, it really dictated the game, right? You know, again, I don't know, right? You know, I think that if the game hypothetically ended 0 0, um, you know, we could have been more, you know, upset. But I think going into the game, I think that was one of the expectations. I think if New York happened to win this game, it would have been some stupid freak goal or something like that which we could have been critical of but again i don't think it was by design i think it was just circumstance of what happens in the game kind yeah. of thing right um and the interesting thing was you know we saw we saw this first half and the way that it played out um and uh, you know seeing a narrative that possibly was unfolding before our eyes in terms of like a type of performance new york was putting out there but the second half comes about and you know i i you know you have to give credit because i would have thought you didn't you didn't know i didn't know what was going to be what was going to unfold for us in the mm-hmm. second half mm-hmm. and i mean within the first 10 minutes of the second half we were like holy shit like this is this is an exciting second half yeah. like yeah. shit is happening yeah. chances are happening yeah. things are going on all over the pitch and yeah. we were and credit to toronto that you know they didn't sort of let that first half uh frustrate them yeah. you know or kind of maybe put them out of their game plan. They came back refocused and really went out to sort of, I guess, continue with what they ideally would have wanted to do, which is get out there and score. Some yeah, goals. I think I think at the half, I think both coaches might have said that to their team, is, is that we're getting away with a lot more than we're giving ourselves a chance to do that. Because the second half started with sort of back and forth, opposed to just Toronto dominate. You know, it ended up that way in, a, in some capacity. But I thought New York's best chances were in the earlier in that second half, right? When they were when they were certainly dribbling the ball. Harrison was doing quite a bit of that, um, and they were you know trying to make chances for themselves. Um, you know, I think with the first half that kind of um, um, tactical, you're going to get sort of a you know it's it's always going to break open in some capacity. You know, it's it's difficult to play a full 90 minutes of you know unless you're in Serie B in Italy or somewhere sure. like that. You're not going to be, you know, you're going to say, oh, here, I, I can see opportunities for myself. You know, let, let's take these breaks. Let's take these opportunities. And, um, you know, it was interesting because, you know, I'm sure we'll go into details about the goals, but I don't think, you know, I it's sure the goals were um, a, an aspect of Toronto's pressure, but I don't think Toronto did anything brilliant to create those goals right you know it was more that they were putting more pressure on new york and the goals were kind of kick around in the box who gets it to it and that's what you know created this it's created the actual final results yeah and i think that's i think that was a lot of the story of that second half was that toronto it was the press and the pressure they were bringing i mean there was points in that second half too we mentioned in the first half where we were seeing you know, New York couldn't get the ball out of their half. Yeah. Like we were, Toronto was continually putting pressure on that defender and all the only option they had was to kick it up. Yeah. And Haglin, Moore, Zavaleta, um, Bradley were cutting in front of that ball, yeah. picking it off, and, and we had the ball the possession again. Yeah. And this happened time and time again through the second half. Um, so, the, I mean, that was the kind of plays that were happening where, and then we would... You know, there was multiple chances where we were in and around the 18-yard box. Yeah. You know, we saw Cooper get some chances around there. We saw 
uh, Moro as well as Osorio get their opportunities around the 18. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until, what am I looking at here? It wasn't until well, and, well, right to the end of the game, the 84th, right? That was the, the second oh, goal. The first goal was in the 84th. The second goal was in added time. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, sure. So, I mean, it yeah, it was 84. Wow. I, just, I just looked at it, 84, 84th okay. minute. I mean, okay. and there was a lot going okay. on up until that point, but the interesting thing that oh, yeah, you, you okay. made a point okay. of yeah, was yeah. that the Lopez substitution. Yeah, all super goals came on. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't until, oddly enough, Lopez comes out, yeah. Uh, he gets his yellow card. He comes out because yeah. we were probably... I was thinking, I was like, was that not a second yellow card? A lot of players were hovering on that second yellow card. No, what happened was is he had the incident with Cooper in the first half, and Cooper was the only one to get the card. And so he should have got... Like, it should have been... Both, and it, both that tackle was pretty the grimy that he had on Cooper. That got him his yellow card. Oh, yeah. No, no. He, now, again, the irony... You know, Lopez is an interesting guy because he's a NCAA guy, so he's a guy I've known for a few years, and one of those guys who's adapted to being useful to the MLS, right? Because he was more technical. He, was, he wasn't really offensive. But he was more technical in college and more of, you know, finesse player. And now he's <laughs> the dirtiest, grimiest player in the league, right? Yeah, Matias Lava style. But, um, you know, if he was on your team, would you be equally upset, right? You know, like, like I'd almost prefer, like, I thought, okay, just a comparison, you know, not to be overly critical of Cooper, but, you know, Lopez was acting that way by design cooper was acting that way by instinct right and i rather have a guy who's going to be grimy and troublemaking and gosh you know by design than a guy who's just that's who he is right yeah and so i thought lopez i thought lopez knew exactly what he was doing 90 percent of the time right and i I was almost laughing when i saw him play especially when javinko was on the ball because i knew his objective was to <laughs> cause trouble and, it, and as i said the funniest one is, is he even did with eltador and eltador had you know it wasn't even a impactful play eltador just had the ball and, and you know um lopez went basically under him and then eltador went flying over and you know as i said that lopez like five foot four hundred and thirty pounds right yeah so um yeah i think you know i think um it seemed to me especially when the yellow card happened it seemed to me that that was new york's plan right like to you know, it, it's interesting because I don't know how much of these um, MLS playoff games you've been watching, but that seems to be design of a lot of teams, right? Like play out the first 60 minutes of truckling soccer, and then by the last 30 minutes, bring your guy on. You know, um, LA's been starting Gordon over Keane. Um, you know, we know the Drogba issue, which is, you know, I don't know if they would start Drogba, but I think they're doing that out of choice. I don't think they're doing it because of Drogba's attitude. I think Montreal feels that they're more productive without Drogba in that position. So, you know, I think a lot of teams are doing this, and so I think it was almost New York's sort of, um, you know, um, um, plan. And then on top of that, I don't think they thought they were going to concede the second goal. So I thought they thought they could get away taking Vila out. I thought they thought they could leave one nothing. I think that's what they had planned going sure. into the game. Come back next game, have Perlo starting, have um, um, Vila, you know, rested, have, um, you know, maybe start Lampard, maybe not. But then, you know, start like the game 0-0, zero, zero but, you, you know, you're down one nothing, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that that was their plan. And I thought the second goal could be very, you know, Again, I thought they were going to For get us, through anyway, goal, yeah. but I thought the second goal was important because I don't think they were expected to go out to nothing. So I think the whole emphasis of that game, the whole purpose of that game, and even, you know, I don't even know, maybe New York just gives up, right? Like maybe they're thinking, oh, we're not going to come back two goals down. And we're just going to play the game out and see what happens. Maybe they, you know, go on to... Um, you know, try to go offensively and concede a goal early on and, you know, and Toronto loads it. And we've seen Toronto this year, especially at the beginning of the season, not try to concede and not try to lose. And we thought they did very well with that. You know, there was that Montreal game, but there's other games in the season that they did that really well. So, yeah. you know, I thought, you know, you know, I, back in the day, you used to have the TSM, uh, was it the auto Apple class play of the game or turning play of the game? Sure. And that's your turning point of the game, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and of this aggregate sort of playoff thing. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe instead of, you know, dissecting the two goals, maybe just if we can make commentary on the two goal scorers. Um, and how, I mean, we, we already commented that they weren't 
you know, they weren't uh, beautiful free-throwing football that created those goals. Yeah. They were, you know, both players being in the right place at the right place. Although I would say Ricketts' goal was actually, I mean, originally he caught oh, that, he save, caught that ball, save, yeah. he caught that ball on the yeah. volley. Like he actually made a really and, nice and, play. And, and and you know, for where he was, Eltador's finish was quite clinical. Like he just ripped into the net. Yeah. Right? And so, and you know, at an earlier point in the pod, I was going to mention this, and we kind of went off, but. Just looking at the teams, would you rather have Eltador and Ricketts as your center forwards, or would you rather have Shelton, Mendoza, you know, whoever other guys, you know, New York was using in this game, right? And that is Toronto's advantage. You know, that, that is an effective advantage of Toronto, right? And I think now that games mean something, like it's amazing to me. It's funny because I think Javinko's impact is becoming a little less, right? I'm not saying he's a great player and not, not, not anything like that. But you can tell now that I think the, the, the expectation and the level of, not necessarily the level of play, but the expectation has reached what Altidore and Bradley should be playing against every day. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. they're becoming important, they're becoming useful, and even Ricketts, right? Ricketts is playing games in Turkey and other places all through his career, right? And so even him, he knows that, you know, this is the admiration you get if you score this game winning goal. This is these games matter. These games, you know, this situation matters. And I think the whole, um, you know, environment at BMO Field sort of, you know, I think the crowd deserves that too, right? Yeah. Because you know, the MLS is we, you know, we use our, our classic joke: it's not a marathon, it's not. It's when you when you reach your peak. As a fan, the season's like that as well, right? We we dedicate, you know, that's why I'm always defending the inebriati even when they make mistakes. It's because the effort it takes for an MLS fan to care about your team the whole season yeah. when very much none of those games mean anything and they're very difficult to watch. And, you know, we're finally getting what we deserve. And, you know, I think it's I think it's great. You know, I think I think, you know, like anything in life, you know, when you get finally what you deserve and you work towards that and you're finally getting rewarded for the effort you put into it, the whole feeling is just wicked. Yeah, you know, and I'll and I'll I'll add on to that because again we were we're talking with the two goal scorers and Josie Altador who had a season where um well not even just a season, but since he came here, you know, there's been criticism around him. Um in quote, you know, the money that he makes, the output that he brings to the table. And oddly enough, like, I've, I've always been like, even if I've had criticisms of him, I've always been like, like, you kind of like, he's a likable, I think he's a likable guy. Yeah. Like, I think you look yeah. at him and you're like, I want to like him. Like, I want him to score. Yeah. He's just like, he's like this, he just, you know, he's uh, a big guy and he kind of like has a some charisma to him you know yeah. where he just like yeah I would like him to be this dominant force and you can see that in the stadium that you saw that last week you've seen it through the season but especially yeah, tonight, last week tonight. when he scored oh, those tonight too yeah, well, yeah you saw it sorry last night last week yeah. and tonight sorry Wednesday well <laughs> let's say maybe last okay, week sure. this week whatever <laughs> the, the last that. three games yeah, but yeah. It's, the game against Philadelphia yeah. and the game tonight the stadium was like so behind him yeah. in his play and his goals and just and the, and I would say the that goal that we scored I don't know if, if you noticed that when I pointed you was like the the stands beneath us were shaking yeah yeah, yeah no 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 it was, it was incredible I don't know if I've ever felt that okay where I thought like I'm like holy shit like we're standing up going crazy for this goal and I can feel the bounce mm. of the east stand mm from everyone losing their minds and you're just like holy fuck that's crazy and then you have a guy like Ricketts who's A a Canadian yeah. B has just we've mentioned before I mean the grind that his career has been yeah. Yeah. I just can't even imagine well, the shit then, that he's been then, through you know it's funny it's funny because um, um, you know the, the, the funny thing about Ricketts is 99% of the quote quote media never thought he was good enough Right? They never thought he was good enough. A lot enough of the fans Canada. didn't think he was no, good no, enough. No, I know yeah. that. But I think that's, uh, you know, I think, you know, yeah, sure. You know, I, I, to give credit to the fans, if they're going to Canadian games, if they're following the circuit division of Turkey, you know, they have a fair analysis of the, of the player, right? But most of, most of the fans' awareness comes from media and comes from, you know, the bigger, you know, influence than, than their own evaluation and stuff like that. But, you know, no, I, I give you credit there. I mean, I, you know, I say the same thing. The issue I've always had with Eltador, now the irony with Eltador is when he came to the team, 
I wrote the most positive article about. Yeah, I did. even said he was better than Javinko. Like not better, but I thought that he was a better signing to Toronto than Javinko. Um, but the frustrating thing I've had with my relationship with Altador is is when Toronto FC needs a marketing campaign to protect someone, they get their people to do it. And you know, Bradley was initially that person, and then Altador became that person, right? So you get this sort of dialogue of what Altador is when Altador is not that, right? And so you're almost a sort of contrasting sort of thing. So I'm glad he's performing to his ability and showing on the pitch what he's capable of doing. Because what he was expected to do, we, we've had this story since he came here day one. He's not your six foot two power forward, you know, guy who's going to head eight, you know, eight headers in a day and, you know, destroy every guy who comes close to him and stuff like that. He's kind of a weird, you know, player in, yeah. in a sense, right? And he's kind of more technique, as we saw with the free kick goal that we went to a game a few weeks ago. And he's more, he's better on the ball than people expect. I love him. You know, I don't think it's his number one position, but I love him on the wing. And there's a couple plays today where he was running on the wing. And he was incredible. He looked like a train going down that wing. But he's not this sort of hold the ball up, you know, da-da-da-da-da, right? There's, there's, you can go to, you know, and that's the problem with soccer, is you can go to around the world and find 100 guys who are better than Altador at those positions. And that's why Altador struggled when he was in Sunderland. But, you know, he's... You know, Skill-wise, he, you know, technique, like if you add all his attributes together, he's by far ahead. He's a DP, certainly, and he's by far ahead of a lot of players in this league. Yeah. Um, and he's in his prime. Yeah. And, and he's, he seems motivated. Yeah. Which, which, you know, Lampard, I can't say the same thing about. <laughs> you, made, you made that observation like, <coughs> right quick. <laughs> right quick. As soon as it came on for you, like, he does not look like he wants to be here. And then I think, I, what was my joke on that? I had something about it. So, oh, something where it was like, he tells the coach, I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll play. <laughs> I'll play on the team. But I'm not starting. Yeah. Don't start me. Yeah. I mean, put me in at some point, but I don't. I just don't feel like starting. I, I did want to just round off that to saying though, I wanted to give Ricketts a pat on the back just because of, um, you know, I'm talking about that history he's had. Yeah. And now he's at home in Canada and scoring goals in front of 28,000 people. Yeah. I yeah. just like I yeah. I know I I would think and I know and I have a feeling I know you, know, you see his like his uh, Instagram and stuff like that but I mean I would think he's probably like fuck I'm so like the full circle of appreciation I bet he's coming to now and being a part of this team and getting a chance and he's scored I think he scored at least three goals maybe four and they've all been key goals yeah yeah right and even though he hasn't started every game I just it's just Again, well, again, as a, as that, a Canadian that's part of, Yeah, that's part of, you know, that's part of the whole MLSC-TFC issue, right? Where, you know, we had the last night game I went to was the clinching game last year, right? And, and you know, Javinko did the amazing goal for us to clinch it, but the game ended with, with Rosario going into the crowd and, you know, being the poster child for the whole team and everyone taking selfies with the guy. And, you know, and unfortunately tonight, it didn't seem... Now, again, you know, it's sports, right? We like, you know, we watch the Blue Jays. It's all Americans. We watch hockey. It's guys from all over the place. So it doesn't necessarily have to be your local guy, right? But I would say to you right now, if you looked at the uh, supporter section, you know, Altador was their man tonight. You know, Ricketts was kind of... He's still not their guy. And I think that that's unfortunate, right? Because I think that if I was in charge of... MLSE, I wouldn't try to put pressure on players, but I would sell that story, right? And they're kind of just, you know, it, it's, you know, TFCs and <laughs> it's not located in Toronto. <laughs> they play their games in Toronto and we support them as Toronto, but their mindset is not, you know, Toronto. They're not catering yeah, to Toronto, saying. right? Yeah, and so, I see what you're saying. And so, so, and that's it. No, and so in terms of a story, yeah, no, I think the story is amazing and I, and I deserve all the success and hopefully he doesn't get screwed. Like, hopefully he gets. You know, I don't know where his contract runs out. I don't know if it's only for a short period. But, you know, I think he should be a priority for next season just for what he's showed us what he can do these few games this season. Yep. And if we exit out of the game uh, without looking ahead, I think, you know, we'll look, we've kind of mentioned what we expect in the next game. But I think the one thing I want to finish with, the you know, a generic sights and sounds mm. And I'm thinking, you know, I was, we were at that game and I'm, I'm trying to think of like, when have I been, what games have matched that 
in stadium atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, no, I was asking you that when we were there. And it's been pretty tough. And you were you were observing, you're like, how often do people stand in this section? Because Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 105, 104, and a lot of the East Stand was standing for long stretches of the game. And of course I was like, Well that hasn't happened with any regularity since two thousand and eight. Yeah. Because two thousand and nine they put an end to that and were throwing people out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um like, I was in the supporter section during that uh, Azurio goal last year. Or, I mean, sorry, the Javinko goal last year when they qualified. And that moment there was, was amazing, right? I'd be honest with you, I've enjoyed going to TFC games sitting in variety places in the stadium. But, you know, I haven't enjoyed them as much as the time when I'm in the supporter section because of the environment that's, that's surrounded by you, right? And it does become... Kind of, now again, I well, you know I've, I've said this last time, but what I'm impressed by is you know, and it, it, I don't want to sound condescending, but is the knowledge of Toronto soccer fans, right? And the comments around you, like I remember going to TFC games three or four years ago, and the comments around me were like I literally felt like I had to wear headphones because I was cringing <laughs> by some of the talk going on around me. And today, you know, everybody knew what was going on. You know, I, I almost found it funny, you know, it's a sight and sound that the um, um, announcer had to give us Basel expectation and give us, like, what aggregate score. It's oh. like, we never know it. He said it, like, four times. Like, yeah. you know, like, oh, okay. Oh, that's what's going to happen now. Oh, that's great. Based on last time we went to a game, he said we clinched and we didn't clinch. So what can you take from him? But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, no, I thought, you know, I thought the – and, again, I have not. I have not. Like, the whole – game from day one like even if the first half was the pinnacle like that's what it felt like the whole game yeah it felt really really intense soccer game right where you could go and experience that any world right the second half felt like something was on the line right now i would you know the cynic cynic in me would say we might have over celebrated the ending since it's only well, yeah, their first game that, I, of an yeah. aggregate, and I'll mention and so, that too. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I think you know it, it. You've said many times it's like a teapot, man. We've we we've, we've you've had this much energy ready to explode, and I think a lot of those people, especially you know the the you know the most biggest supporter. You know, I joke today because in your section you have one guy who always wants the chant. Um, some days, <laughs> chance and no one gets a one. Yeah. And now he actually gets a bit of a crowd. And so, he, you know, I feel good for him, man. Yeah. People are actually listening to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking back, and I'm like, one of the game, like, tonight I thought was like, I was really pleased <laughs> leaving the stadium in terms of, like, the result, the performance, and then what it was like being at the game. And it's like, you know, I remember Danny DiCchio's goal. Yeah, we the got a Dickie chant tonight. Yeah, the first goal we ever scored. I mean, that was like yeah, the first. You know, I felt like I felt like I was or the sheet cushion. Yeah, I felt like I was like, wow, I was at, I was at that. And then I can think of the end of that season when we finished the last game of the season when Dickie again scored that amazing goal, yeah. and I and the stadium went bonkers and there was really great energy, and I was like, wow, is that something? And then I can think of a few other games, whether it's like Motegua, Cruz Azul. Uh, the game at the dome was pretty was really special. Um, I think this game is up there. I think this game is up there. And like I said, when when Altidore scored that first goal, I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like the floor, the yeah, the stands yeah. beneath me are shaking. Yeah. yeah. Well, I joked. I joked uh, going into the playoffs because, as I said, I saw Toronto getting by Philly, and I saw Toronto getting by New York, and I joked saying that TFC marketing moments. Are, are set for the next yeah. <laughs> 10 years because all they'll do is pick each playoff game as an individual moment, yeah. right? Now, hopefully, you know, like I don't want Philadelphia game to be forgotten, but hopefully this becomes a complete story and not just, oh, that was a great moment, that was a great moment, but it didn't mean anything because we lost 5 nothing when we went to New York. And if we lose 5 nothing going to New York, I think that should be a moment, right? Because yeah. that's more symbolism of the team than, than, than you know, winning this game. But yeah, no, I think it's I, you know, you know, I, I, um, you know, you offered me this ticket. It's not my regular, you know, I wasn't planning to go to this game. I was planning to watch it on TV. The pr- tickets were expensive, you know, relatively expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think I got my money's worth. Or I believe I got my money's worth. And if I was offered tickets, if Toronto got through and was playing the Red Bulls and you know happened to play LA Galaxy in the final, so got to host the final. You know, I pay those tickets just for not only because I feel 
connected to the team because I followed the team for 10 years, but because of this moment on its own. Yeah. Right? Like, it is, you could bring a person who doesn't even care about soccer and bring them to these games, and I think they'll have a, they'll feel like, oh, I was part of something and everyone cared about something and it was wicked, right? Yeah. And so, so yeah, no, I think it's, again, I, I keep on, you know, I keep on pinching myself because, you know, 1993 me would have <laughs> 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 being at Lynx games with, uh, you know, 200 people telling people why soccer is the best sport in the world. It's, yeah. It seems to me very surreal right now, but, um, you know, in that sense, yeah. I certainly Do I have the right year? We've been like, this guy, Paul Pescalito, Pescalito, <laughs> he's, I think he's going to be somebody. I think he might be somebody. Uh, oh, it was fun. It was fun. I, I think to, that was the funny. The great, the, one of the great stories was, is I have a younger brother who is a big football and basketball fan and stuff like so football fan, not really a soccer fan, right? And he's um, ten years younger than me, right? And I was sort of involved with the uh, old A League and things like that, so I was about you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and I used to bring my little brother to the games, who was like eight, nine, and ten, right? And because the stadiums were so empty, you could hear every single thing. The players say on the pitch, which was swear word, like was massive swearing, right? Like, fucking idiot, pass me the ball, you fucking moron. <laughs> and my little brother thought it was the coolest thing in the world, right? Because where do you get uh, people mm. swearing all the time, right? So that was soccer in, uh, in 20 years. Back then, holy back shit. Then, so. um, I think to round it off, Aaron, just a quick comment on the second leg. Uh, any thoughts, any... I don't know if I want to go as far as predictions. Um, I, my, you know, I would say my initial thought is, you know, a 2-0 lead going into it. I feel good. You know, the history we've had at away in New York has been good. Yeah. So I think Toronto can do the business yeah. and get us into the Eastern Conference final. Um, I think I, my only concern is if maybe something like Toronto does get up early that it turns into a complete shit show and oh in terms of fouls cars and fouls, fouls and getting yeah. really ugly so i don't know do do fouls and that go off to the next thing or do you get clean slate after uh, the, uh, we'll leave that to the listeners okay they can okay. they can correct us we'll on that, that i'm not i'm not totally sure yeah. i don't i think they might but uh, I might have just put my foot in my mouth, so I won't. I can't comment yeah. on that. But yeah. I, again, you know, I'm sure a red card yeah, carries. Again, through. you always, you know, it's one of those cliches where you say, you know, two up, that's the worst score to be. <laughs> you know, all these things, right? Because you're, you know, resting on your laurels. A three nil lead, and, a two nil yeah, lead, you know, whatever. You always think the other team's going to do anything. Um, you know, I've heard going into this game that um, tickets are still available at, at the Yankee Stadium. I heard tickets were going available. Nice tickets for 30, 40 bucks, right? So I don't know how much general momentum there was for that game anyway. You know, the, you know, I think New York making the playoffs was a nice surprise. I don't think people were very, I don't know what their rabid supporting this, you know, thing of it is. Um, and you do, you know, like watching Champions League so many years where aggregate scores count. Um, you know, two nothing can see a team come back, and you want to watch that game. It could also be the worst game you want to see in your life, right? Because, yeah. especially if the better team's winning, because that's when they say, "Okay, it's done," <laughs> right? Like they can close it off by passing the ball around in their own zone. They could go for it, and it could be a blow, which might be entertaining as a Toronto fan, but doesn't really have anything to the game. Um, yeah, I think it's. Um, yeah, I, you know, again, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the important thing in the next game is, is the first 20, 30 minutes and holding them down and seeing where it's going to go and seeing what's, you know, playing it. You know, you're, you're playing in a weird situation because you're playing at that field in New York, so it changes the game a bit. But I think, yeah, I think you could, I think Toronto, you expect Toronto to hold off and, and to get through. So, yeah. All right. We'll leave it on that. <laughs> and that's the best way I think the listener will appreciate it. Aaron, uh, people can get you at Prospect 11 yep. and at ENB Sports. Yep. Um, you're always busy doing this, that, and everything sure, yeah. all over the place. Um, I promise I'll have your article posted this week. Okay. okay. <laughs> A League One Ontario piece uh, and other things possibly coming up. I'm trying to think. Well, the season's coming to an end. Obviously, we're just mostly talking about playoffs. Um, I don't know if there's anything you got to pitch or throw. Yeah, there. no. I, well, I think now I think the Toronto story is or Montreal story as well. It's for a Canadian perspective, I think it's the biggest story. I think that yeah, I think as the season goes off, there's stuff that 
um, is interesting for the next year. You know, I, I, I think the interesting thing is 2017 is not really a prominent year on the soccer calendar. So from a Canadian perspective and a soccer perspective, it's trying to keep the momentum and, you know, making sure things continue. And then the Canadian Premier League, I guess, is the yeah. <laughs> backstory that, um, you know, potentially is the most exciting thing for us in the next few four years. So, yeah. And everyone knows you can get me at Clark Arno on Twitter. Uh, info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. And at Twitter, it's at rednationonline. Uh, any questions, comments, thoughts, uh, etc. I'm 99.9% positive. I don't know why I would miss the game next game. That'd be crazy. But that's what that's the plan right now. We're going to be... You rolled it in already. You think we've already through. That's true. <laughs> I don't even need to go. Uh, no. We, we, you know, Next weekend, we'll be for the away leg. And uh, that's the next should Toronto, be the next Toronto arrogance. Yes. We're already through. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it! I would never be. I would never, never. Anyways, next week, guys, we'll catch you then. Thanks for listening. And uh, we want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online, From the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.